Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we delve into movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything else pop culture. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined today by my prodigious co-host, holder of enough points to earn one free frosted beverage or sandwich redeemable at Chick-fil-A, Ivan. So which will it be? I don't know. Now that you wait, we can redeem a frosted beverage with those points too. I thought that was strictly like a sandwich thing. No, you can do the. You're the one with the app, so you should know this. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can do pretty much anything. There's levels of points. You have enough for either option. You know, I just realized half of these points are technically yours because we used to <laughs> order Chick Fil A together every Friday. God damn. No, that, that, that's that wasn't every Friday. That's yeah, that's my gift to you. Oh, but well, you, you do have to decide a frosted beverage or a sandwich. Oh, dude, you're right. I have like a fifteen hundred points. <laughs> what the hell? You know what? I'm going to Chick Fil A this weekend. Heck for the children oh, out there. What 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 the heck? For I'm the sorry. Oops oops. Sorry to my our Spotify audience. <laughs> oh yeah, Spotify and iHeartRadio now. So check us out. And Amazon um, podcasts. You know, Amazon, Apple, everybody wants us. We're on all of them. If anybody's listening to us on an Alexa, let us know because my <laughs> Alexa doesn't want to play us. <laughs> I, I always go like, Alexa, play behind the fourth wall and she'll play something else. Yeah, everybody with an Alexa should test that out just to see. <laughs> all right, let's get into the news because there's a lot this week. Oh my god. Um <laughs> should you you want to go first on this or should you want me to tackle this? You can have the big news. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um according to Deadline, Collider and a whole bunch of other r- reporters on things over at Twitter, uh Gina Carano has been officially fired by Lucasfilm. So yeah, Cara Dune is out. I guess that kind of answers some season three theories we had, right? Whatever you had, Emmett, on Cara Dune for season three, just throw it out. She's not coming <laughs> back. She's gone. <laughs> Honestly, I don't mind it for the plot. <laughs> yeah, and the more I kind of dig into this story and kind of look back at it, I'm just kind of like, all right, well, you know what? You know, sucks, but. You know, not not to get, I guess, too in the weaves on it, because this does kind of touch on the political side of things, which, uh, you know, not not the most friendly of conversations or anything to kind of bring up. But um, I guess so what ended up happening, from my understanding, is that she back in around November, October time frame, this is right before the Disney investors call where they announced all these new shows. Um, she had made a couple of uh, interesting retweets on Twitter that a lot of people interpreted to be like anti LGBTQ. Um, and also, you know, she was spreading a lot of retweets of uh, misinformation regarding the elections and all that. So very touchy things and not something you want to be saying if you're out in the public eye, especially like, you know, it's, it's very much viewed as you know, ignorant. And so I guess this has been an ongoing issue with her since that time frame. And from Deadline's reporting, it sounds like Lucasfilm was actually prepared to give her her own show, which was going to be that um, Rangers of the New Republic. So I think you had predicted that she was probably going to get spun off into that show, which I guess you were right. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Disney just pulled an Uno reverse card on this and basically said, you know what? We're not going in that direction. I think um, she made a couple of offensive uh, remarks over Twitter this week, uh, including one where she uh, compared the uh, issues with, uh, or the way that society, I guess, here in America would view uh, quote-unquote conservatives 
uh, with the way that uh, Jewish people were treated in World War II Germany, which, you know, on on the at best is you know the most ignorant thing you can kind of make a comparison of, but I think it's just downright ridiculous to be you know downright insulting I guess to make that. So I can't blame Disney for putting the cap on it and saying you know what no, we don't want to yeah. be associated with this so i get it i get where they're coming from for this yeah there's very little love loss from the fans so finally a good on disney for you know being proactive and doing something about this before they start filming and give her her own series so good on them uh yeah and like you said though this will impact future shows both her spinoff and potentially she was going to be in Mandalorian threes or season three. So yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what they do. Do they recast her or do they just change with the plot? I think they're ahead enough where they could do either. So be interesting to see in a, in a year's time. One thing to kind of add, just, you know, a different, a little bit of a different topic, but because it's related to the Mandalorian cast here, uh, Pedro Pascal was actually also announced as the, lead playing the character of joel for the last of us um tv series has been developed for hbo so kind of an interesting way to kind of report the the news this week right like you get one member of the of the cast uh being let go and then the other member getting kind of a little bit of bump up with a different uh studio Mm. uh the last of us that's a video game right yeah it's uh i think it was like originally it's like a zombie apocalypse type thing they're making that into a movie uh they're making it into a tv show i think it's going to be like a i don't know if it's a limited series or not um having played the game i think originally it came out on ps3 if, if memory serves right i could be mistaken yeah i think it was ps3 but the video game was really good the storyline was really great it's a playstation exclusive so i don't know if you ever got a chance to to check it out or at least kind of see some of the walkthroughs because I feel like a lot of people are actually experienced the story through watching other people play on YouTube. No, yeah, I watched like the Walking Dead playthrough, but I never did Last of Us. But yeah, that might be a trend, I guess, because The Witcher was also a big one a couple of years ago. I think it's a good way to adapt video games into TV shows just because like it's very serialized. It's not, I feel like video games get the short end of the stick when you try to make them into movies. It just doesn't work. Give me a Fortnite series. <laughs> Give me a rated R HBO limited series of Fortnite. Yeah, so that's the big news on Disney. Uh, I would also add, I guess not Disney, but Warner is you know really pushing this Snyder Cut. I know we've talked about it before. There is we're recording this on Friday the twelfth. They are dropping a new trailer on the fourteenth valentine's day but they released a tweet trailer for that trailer and the movie's coming out in march uh so they're really hyping themselves up hyping up the hype up nothing says valentine's day more than the (laughs) the snyder cut i think you know like it's it's the ultimate trailer (laughs) yeah it's the ultimate i love you for a director that didn't get a chance to finish his stuff (laughs) and i guess you know get any love yeah yeah no, so, I you know I would I wish him the best. I just I still got to think like I don't know who's gonna be able to sit down for a four hour movie in one sitting. I'm gonna watch it, but I feel like it's probably gonna take a while for me to get through it. Yeah, I'll for sure watch it. And that I'm not gonna say that hype up trailer that they gave us hyped me up, but uh, it does look different. It does look pretty dark and pretty 
interesting. It's not so like youthful there, as as the actual cut we got. There's no uh, digital mustache on Superman, so that alone <laughs> that must is be. like, yeah, I forgive half the sins of that movie because of that now. <laughs> <laughs> what else is going on in the news? Um, where do we go? Oh, so there's a investors call coming up with with uh, Disney. Oddly enough, dropping a whole bunch of news this week, but. It seems like they're really taking that stance of like Black Widow will release in theaters. It will be a theatrical release. Um, also coming from the Hollywood Reporter and from Deadline here. But apparently uh, they're very optimistic about the outlook of the vaccinations that are steadily rising here in the U.S. I think the projected amount, according to the CDC, is that by the beginning of the summer season, you should you should have about 80 percent of the people uh, either vaccinated or you have the access to the vaccine. It's a very optimistic approach, very different from the outlook from a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I hope they're right. But at the same time, I still got to tell you, like, I feel like we're not going to see people crowd back into theaters until the fall. So if assuming this does happen and they're right, I hope that they still stick to their guns and say, you know what? Regardless of what happens, we're releasing Black Widow in May, regardless as to whether it's a premium release on Disney Plus or in theaters, just just get that movie out. Like it, it just needs to get out at this point. No way. I don't think fall will be. If they meet that timeline for vaccinations, I think summer will be a big movie time. I think people are so antsy to go to theaters or go out to events or things that they couldn't do before. That and especially you know always it's always been like a get away from the heat type of activity so i think summer will be huge if they if we actually meet those thresholds of vaccines it is, i don't know if it's gonna be fully packed they might still be doing like half capacity or three quarters capacity or something like that well interestingly enough um the the governor here in new york actually just announced i think yeah it might have been yesterday I, everything's blending in this week but anyway uh, anybody with a um, health condition over the age of 16 that has either diabetes hypertension any of those risk groups, you're allowed to start booking a, an appointment for the vaccine regardless of age. That's a switch of tone. So hopefully that does kind of align with this optimistic 80% threshold that they're trying to meet. I hope it works, man. I just, I just, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of logistics involved in that. So I, I still kind of think it might be the fall until people feel comfortable enough to, to get out. But who knows? I hope I'm wrong on this. Last thing for the news, I just wanted to throw out there that the new movie came out on hbo judas and the black messiah uh it's the movie directed by shocker king it received a 97 on rotten tomatoes and 87 on metacritic so i'm expecting good things uh that's the movie with uh i forget his name but he was in black panther and in get out look is it lakeith stanfield no i think it's daniel i was about to say i was like i don't think lakeith was in yeah, but either way, it's it looks really interesting. It's getting good ratings. Uh, this is one of those movies I feel like would have done big box office stuff like la in last year's timing or something like that, or just better timing. So, be interesting to see what opening weekend box office is for this. It's Daniel Kaluuya. You're right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So I think I think we should just get into the episode here. There's there's a lot, and I uh. You know, I guess maybe to kind of put a couple thoughts into this real quick, non-spoiler thoughts here. So to me, this episode feels a lot like last week's episode in yeah. terms of like there's not too much overly dramatic going on, but 
they're answering a lot of questions. Uh, they're also not answering other questions, <laughs> and they're flat out um, diverting from other things. So, you know, I, I, this was a solid episode. I like it, and it continues to build on that momentum that we've seen ever since episode three. So it was a great episode, but like with every single passing one since episode three, I want the next one already. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I I think this is where we start to get answers as opposed to just posing questions. With everything we get answered, I'm like, well, what does that mean for this? Like, like something else that we were thinking about. I kind of think this might be, if I got to watch this all in one sitting, I think this might just be better than probably, you know, 50 or 40% of Marvel movies. I think this would, like, if you piece this all together, I think it would be ranked higher just because it is so much more mystery because they are able to do like a cliffhanger every 25 minutes. Not just because it's obviously longer than a movie, but having these, you know, segmented endings, they they get to like play around and, and leave you in suspense. I feel like we got a little bit of a taste of this kind of style of storytelling with the Netflix shows that they did, especially Daredevil. So this this very much feels like the MCU brought down to that level, but also like not not brought down in a negative way, but more so like in a very serialized way. It's very different from what we've seen. It gives them the space to be able to tell a story that's traditionally it also this might be the scariest thing we've seen in in the MCU at this point. I think so, too. That's what that, that's what's so different about it. It's like the reason why I love Spider-Man Far From Home is because the villain was so good. Like the fights were like, wait, who's going to win this? Is it Spider-Man or is it Mysterio? It feels like that with this, where it's like you think you understand and then it's a, a twist and then they give you an answer on that twist. And then you're like, well, what's happening next? And then they, they twist it again. So I feel like there's like two or three more of those twists to come in the rest of the season. Yeah. So now we're going to get into specific scenes or, or, or character interactions here. So if you haven't seen it and you still plan to and don't want spoilers, uh, go ahead and pause the podcast or, or come back later. Uh, but yeah, let's break down the episode. So it's called an all-new Halloween spook- spooktacular, uh, set in the '90s, classic '90s intro, Greatest Generation. Uh, it's very <laughs> like Malcolm in the Middle aggressive sequence, and then obviously more Malcolm in the Middle where there's fourth wall breaking uh, by Billy, and then which was a classic style of the '90s, and then we even get like a few flashback cutscenes for like people's memories. It was very 90s. It kind of got me thinking, though, like, was Malcolm in the Middle from the 90s or was that the early 2000s that we saw that show premiere? Because the intro was 100% Malcolm in the Middle. I thought it was the 90s. Let me double oh, check it. Oh, it's 2000. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, close enough. I feel like every time we talk about the 90s, people usually just assume 95 to 2000 is really the era that you're referring to. January 9th. 2000 so yeah it was filmed in the 90s there you go (laughs) (laughs) technicalities it it, barely talking to the camera was was the big giveaway for me because like when you started the intro i'm like all right well there's a couple 90s shows that i can maybe you know that are aggressive yeah yeah and and the style of clothing and all that so it's they definitely were aiming for the 90s but once we saw the fourth wall breaking there it, it definitely did seem like it's something that was being tied in to that era also, this is the first time that we see fourth wall breaking coming from somebody other than than Wanda. Has Wanda broken the fourth wall other than when she threw 
Monica through four walls. <laughs> she broke a few walls there. <laughs> did you did you see that or did you recount that? She literally goes through three walls and then if you count the hex, it's the fourth wall it's that she fourth. breaks. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not. I gotta go back and take a look at that. <laughs> Uh, but she, yeah, usually it is also the like main character that we're following. So it's interesting that Billy got to be the one to talk to the camera. But did you also notice that like similar to like Malcolm in the Middle, no one hears him or sees him talking to the crowd. But in one bit, it looked like Pietro was. Oh, listening he does. To, is that was that supposed to be or is that like an acting flaw? No, he he definitely notices him talking to the camera. It gives him this really like confused, like what the like, heck are you talking doing? To? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right as they're watching t- TV, I think that's I think that's the one that you're referencing to, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I I gotta I gotta say though, like a couple things to kind of note on the intro. The style that they shot it in was the very first person kind of view, obviously like a very camera heavy kind of thing. Uh, but you notice that everybody in the credits is family except for Agnes. Yeah, what is she doing there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but she did. She didn't. Aside from um, popping up in the visions portion of the episode, she didn't make an appearance or an interaction with the family in this in this episode. Unless I'm like not recalling correctly. No, she wasn't around. She was right. stuck in traffic, seemingly at the edge of town, <laughs> like literally right, <laughs> right there. Yeah, she she was in her car alone at the edge of town. There's a lot of things at play here, and I feel like. Once the show is done and we have the chance to go back and re-binge all this stuff, there's probably going to be things we can kind of pull apart. But yeah, the, the these intros, man, I'm I'm really really liking them. And it might have been because I wasn't, you know, we're not part of that generation before. But the more we kind of get into like the when we got into the 70s, 80s, and now the 90s, especially, I really have an appreciation for that and trying to their best to not just like copy the intros of that era but also the style the clothes all that it like every little detail that they put into there is very like conscious of that those choices it's also acting style like i can't put my finger on it but elizabeth olsen's acting doesn't look like elizabeth olsen it looks like she's yeah doing somebody else's character but i can't figure it out but she just like is able to throw like her voice and her like mannerisms that just match like something else like that's reminiscent of the era that she's acting in not any knock on her at all right but like i wasn't aware of how exactly how talented she, elizabeth olsen yeah. was until i saw this movie called ingrid goes west it's with her and aubrey plaza yeah, yeah. i love that movie <laughs> i thought it was really smart really witty it just kind of it made me think at that point i was like wow they're really underutilizing her in these marvel movies they should really give her like a bump and now that we're seeing her range on this show it really further emphasizes that point that I was like, I can't believe there was a time where I just didn't quite care about her character all that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. The same with Paul Bettany's character, too. Like, I, I feel like Vision's always been... I, I think at the very least, you had that little bit of intrigue with him in the movies that you didn't quite have too much of with Wanda. Uh, but it's it's I'm glad to see that they're getting the opportunity to have a lot more range within the MCU. Yeah, I don't know if I'm on board with the vision part of your uh, breakdown. Cause I don't know if I don't, I feel like he's a victim right now. So I don't get to, we're seeing him react as opposed to getting to act. We've never uh, seen him angry though. Once. 
and it was terrifying. I got scared. I got, I got scared. I feel like I felt that it was my dad yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Like they are so good together. Um, and it was something that was like laughable in Captain America: Civil War. Like they're acting together. Like it, that should have had the laugh track. But the, uh, now they are playing off each other so well, and they're each bringing this strong individual performance that. I really, really like it, um, and they're making me care about these characters. Did we see a laugh track in this episode, by the way? No, I don't. We think did so. it right, okay? Because I, I only got a chance to watch this once uh, last night. I just kind of realized that I was like, I don't think I heard a laugh track during this particular episode. Yeah, I mean, if it's in there, it's one of those not noticeable ones, which I don't think it, there were any. I don't think so. But I thought the 90s was also pretty big on laugh tracks, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think recalling like Malcolm in the Middle in particular, I don't think they had a laugh track in that show. Mm. I'm pretty sure they didn't. It'll come back for the Friends episode that they do. Oh, God. They're going for a Modern Family um, one. Oh, I are think. they? Yeah, I th- just from like looking at the trailers. Oh, when she's like doing an interview on the couch or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. Modern I, Family. I, th- I think so, too, yeah. Let's get into um, some character interactions. So I feel like we can kind of divide and conquer this. Like, I don't know if we have to do each one individually. I think there's, like, an inside the Hex group and then an outside the Hex group with a couple standalones. Um, so let's start with the insides. So obviously being the Maximoffs, Wanda, a.k.a. Scarlet Witch, Billy, Tommy, and Pietro would kind of be that group. Pietro's the dangling carrot from the last episode. You know, I got to tell you, you know, and and I got to go back and listen to my my exact thoughts on last week's episode. But I feel like I I thought for sure this was Mephisto in disguise or something like that. Yeah, you said that. And you also texted me that you still think that (laughs) I don't I don't quite see it there yet. But no. uh, So I, I think there's a Mephisto element in play. I don't think he's Mephisto. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's still an element of him in the show. I just don't think it's as direct as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm so hot and cold on the Mephisto bit because now they're trying to like steer the crowd away from that as if they knew we would be thinking about it. But then they still throw in these little like uh little moments to just be like a reminder of the devil or whoever, you know, like Pietro right. actually called Billy and Tommy demon spawn. Yeah. in this episode like it doesn't get any like clearer than that <laughs> it's too on the nose for there not to be some sort of trail on that but an interesting kind of point here supposedly the original director for doctor strange 2 had pitched the idea of having nightmare as the villain for doctor strange 2 and then apparently the character was was not up for use at that point by kevin feige so the idea was scrapped so it kind of got me thinking i was like well is it's either Mephisto or it's Nightmare or it's some sort of like supernatural element that we're going to see at play here because they keep referencing it so much. You know, if they didn't, then I would I'd be less inclined to be like, you know what? Yeah, we could probably toss this out. But yeah, you know, why hammer away at it if there's no truth to it? Uh, I guess actually first chronologically is a, a lot of conversation between Pietro and and Wanda where it seems like. Pietro understands exactly what's going on around inside the hex, but I don't think he's there by choice. Yeah, I think he's going along with it, but it doesn't look like she's able to influence him the same way that she's able to influence the others. Yeah, he's like 
going so off script, just asking these blunt questions about how she does it, like how she's handling the magical load. How did she start it? Uh, he complimented her, complimented her on like uh, her ethical considerations of keeping families together and giving people job upgrades and and trying to keep people happy. But meanwhile, we see people crying and screaming for help. It's such a horror <laughs> show. It really is kind of like creepy, scary. This is as close to a horror movie as you can get on a PG-13 rating, I think. Like, without... It's kind of one of those, like, show-don't-tell kind of things where, like, sometimes it's even scarier not to see the scary thing at work, but rather just imply that it's that it's there. It's um, very, like... Obviously, I haven't seen it, but... Because I said it before. But it, it reminds me of, like, a get-out where it's, like, not having control. Yeah, 100% over yourself. <laughs> like get-out, yeah. Yeah. There's that element in there, and you know, I think that Pietro, in particular, for this episode, there's a lot. Like, I was going back and forth so much because, I, you know, on one hand, we do see in Age of Ultron the Aaron Taylor Johnson version of of Pietro. It is very much like flirtatious, kind of very playful, bashful, but he's not particularly cruel or too much of a clown. I, I'd, I'd say. Uh, whereas the Fox version of, of Pietro or, or Quicksilver is, and he has no problem expressing that. And then this version, it feels like it's kind of like a, the elements of both of them here at play. We don't really see, like, I, I don't see like this being 100% the Fox version of, of, of Pietro. It, it kind of seems like she reskinned the Age of Ultron version, but like boosted up some sort of his like more wacky elements sim yeah and she's given him the memories of the mcu uh quicksilver yeah because he was like yeah i was like my last memories are getting shot in the street he said for no reason so i'm guessing he doesn't remember ultron or she hasn't given him that memory and then yeah he said he was shot for no reason and then he just heard her voice and just realized he had that she needed him and and he just appeared and the effects for the for his um, for his super speed is the same as as the one from Age of Ultron. Like this isn't he's not there's no element to the Fox. I know, and I hate here. that because I love the Fox one where it's like we get to <laughs> time travel with him and he's like just playing some classic music. Well, the Quicksilver from Fox seems like the most overpowered <laughs> mutant, oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's you're right. It's more of a time like slowing down time versus being a speedster. And the one from from Age of Ultron is 100% just like a really, really fast uh, being, which I don't, you know, pick or choose. Like, it doesn't, I feel like the the guy from Fox, from the Fox movies seems more like the Flash from DC Comics than he does the Quicksilver of the the Marvel Comics. And the MCU version always seemed more like the Quicksilver of of the Marvel Comics. Well, yeah, my understanding of, you know, speed and time travel comes from the you know the classic 2002 sci-fi comedy movie clock stoppers uh (laughs) they were not actually stopping the clock they were moving so fast that everything around them appeared to not be moving and be stilled so that's that was the fox version for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i guess you're right that movie's so good if you haven't seen it I saw it once a while ago. I don't. All I, I remember is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it 
think it's I, on HBO. Is it? I get. Yeah, I you know what? I think I'll add it to my watch list for this weekend because I definitely need something to watch. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, you know, I think in that same conversation at Town Square, Wanda kind of breaks out of character because Pietro was asking, like pushing her to and like asking questions uh, and basically being like, I'm family. You can trust me. Like, tell me whatever. As if he's like testing her. Uh, so she breaks character and like starts shed- shedding a few tears. And then she sees Pietro in the dead form, just like Vision. So it's clear, like, two things from that are clear. One, someone's forcing Wanda to stay in character, or at the very least, there are rules that she needs to follow in order to keep the magic hex going. And then the second thing being, if he leaves, and we'll talk about this in a bit, but if he leaves the hex, he's probably going to die just like Vision is. Maybe. I I, I have my I have my theories on the, on the whole hex situation, but I feel like and here's, you know, maybe I'll go out a little bit. This is going to sound a little bit weird or tacky, right? But we know we're eventually going to dive into the whole multiverse thing with Doctor Strange 2. Just because the titles are revealed yeah. for all these. So my, my thinking is that this might be the actual Pietro from the X-Men Fox movies. But with the memories of the Age of Ultron Pietro. And so he's like kind of aware of what's going on, but not quite fully. Um, so I don't necessarily think he would die outside of the hex, but I think she's, I think she's telling the truth in the fact that she doesn't know how it all started. But at the same time, now that she has it, she wants to keep this ideal life. Like, what if, what if her whole goal throughout this whole thing is just to simply recreate reality so that it's it's what she wants it to be forever? Like, what if this wasn't, like, what if no, what if she's not actually being manipulated by anybody, but she's actually legitimately the villain of this show? No, I completely agree that, and, and trust her when she says she doesn't know how it all started, because I think she and Vision had the same conversation, and she didn't really deny it. And she, like, in that conversation before Pietro arrived, she was even, like, going to sound like, or going to admit that she is keeping it going. Yeah, so it's just weird that she... I don't know. It's weird that she has, like, no remorse for what she's doing to the town's people, but I guess she maybe does, and is just outweighing that with her own pleasure for once, like, finally getting to be happy. I'll I'll say one thing. Like, I, I feel like I'm very happy i guess to kind of see the scarlet witch of the comic books and make it onto the big screen <laughs> at this point because she's always been like that in the comics she's like well it's a sokovian she... fortune teller not, <laughs> <laughs> not scarlet witch <laughs> no visuals aside i mean like the interpretation of, of oh the... yeah you mean like the powers and the yeah personality. because she is a hundred percent like i remember um colby smolder's character i forgot her name um maria hill Legion hill yeah. yeah, in the uh, in Age of Ultron, when she's describing uh, Quicksilver and, and Wanda to, to he's fast and she's weird and she's weird, yeah, and she's right, yeah, she is weird. In the comics, you don't really know what her what her powers are until she like unleashes all hell upon somebody, you know, like it, it, it's and it's always all heck, all heck, <laughs> it's always that like H E double hockey sticks, you know, like it's. Mm. 
it, it, it is she, she is weird she is chaotic and you know it, to see that here i didn't think i would want to see it i didn't think we were ever going to first of all you know I, I'm, I'm glad to to see it at work here and it, it also makes me as confused as i am when i was reading the comics if you pick up house of m you know wanda's a hero but in the book you're just like but why is she doing all this stuff like this is just like it's horrible it's cruel and at the and, end of the day it comes down to like this little view of what well, in the comics it was like a view of, of of grief remorse and just overall depression for this character that just has no control over what she's doing at the end of the day which sounds a lot like what we're getting here uh because monica continues to reiterate how much grief and like sadness the hex is and that's why she wants to help wanda get out of it yeah no i i totally agree i I like that we're exploring her powers more in this because the mind control that we saw in was that yeah it was in ultron was so targeted and so small and it didn't really feel like she was doing that much but this is such a bigger scale that it it's nice to see her you know controlling it like sure she doesn't know how it started but she sure as heck is keeping it going the closest we got to that kind of thing in Age of Ultron was those little creepy movements she did as she got into yeah. people's heads. You remember what I mean, right? It would be like she's her movements are sped up all of a sudden <laughs> as she does this little sense. wavy thing with her fingers. Yeah. Uh, staying with the inside group, though, so Billy and Tommy gain their powers. Billy obviously uses his powers to sense that the hex is uh, is being breached and that Vision is in pain. He's able to find them, and Tommy uses powers to snag full-size candy bars. I think it's clear which <laughs> twin is the smarter twin. <laughs> they got their priorities in line here. <laughs> which I didn't realize it on the first watching, but Billy was the one breaking fourth wall, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Billy says like Halloween was about getting to be someone you're not in the beginning, and then Tommy goes, no, it's about candy. Like. They, I like that they stuck to what they both think the holiday is about. And then clearly we're getting the establishment there that Wanda's powers were inherited by Billy, and then Tommy obviously is you know a a you know a copy of Quicksilver essentially. I want to see a um, who's the daddy for like the two thousands <laughs> episode. <laughs> Or, or would Disney not go anywhere near incest as a possibility? No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think they're going down the Lannister path for this. <laughs> Why not, man? He's got his dad, his uncle's powers. That doesn't make any sense. So if we both, I think we're both still, still holding on that there's a Mephisto element to it, which if we stick to the comics, then he like re either eats them or like reabsorbs them. So now that they have their powers, are they in danger? I believe so. I believe so. So it's kind of not to deviate too much, right. But to kind of shed a little bit of light about what happens in the comics, their actual first introduction, they, they don't have any powers at all. They, I think they just age up to be around the age that they are right now in the show. 10. Yeah, and so when everything starts to break apart, that's when Mephisto reveals that Wanda subconsciously made them using shards of his soul. So he reabsorbs them, and she goes insane and just like completely t- tries to rewrite all of existence out of grief. Um, it's not until afterwards where there's this whole convoluted plot about how they're reborn, like their souls go into other human children 
and she's able to like you, get, you know re-encounter them and somehow they're born with the with the in the comics what they call the mutant x gene and one of them has super speed and the other one happens to have her abilities uh that's when they get their powers but over here i feel like she's kind of choosing what like who takes after who and so you know interestingly enough a friend of mine was kind of telling me this from last week but it seemed like if you pay attention to who she's kind of maybe paying a little bit more attention to versus who vision's kind of catering more to in terms of the kids at the beginning of last week's episode it seems like vision is catering to billy more and wanda's catering more to tommy and i think it comes down to this like hint of like well tommy reminds her of her brother so Mm. subconsciously she might have been like oh well if he's going to be born with a power he's going to have super speed yeah maybe I i like that I like that better than the incest angle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say that, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think the final point on the inside crew is Wanda's control of the size of the hex. Uh, so she was able to expand it once she figured out that Vision had broken out. Uh, we'll we'll cover him next, but she was able to, I guess push the hex further to kind of reabsorb vision and turn everyone into clowns clowns circus (laughs) tents used cars uh yeah she everything got converted was that 90s or was like i was that just the first thing she could think of (laughs) i feel like it's just keeping in the theme in the current theme that she had so it was like kind of 90s theme right yeah at least yes I don't know. I've never been to a circus, so I, I can't tell if there's a difference <laughs> right? between the circus today and the circus back in the 90s. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter that they got turned into that. Or maybe she's calling the sword agents a bunch of clowns. I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you think the sword agents get like uh, are keeping their memories at the moment? No, or? I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're that's, like everyone else. That's a horrible fate. Like You're just running for your life and by the way, well, side note on it, Hayward is such a coward. <laughs> he just oh left all God, his people behind. Yeah. Well, I I don't mean to say that they're not keeping their memories in any in a sense that anyone from the town isn't keeping their memories because it clearly clearly everyone is. Right. But I think they just succumb to whatever their casting role is. Yeah, none of them re- seem to retain any of their uniforms. They immediately turned into clowns. I, I, I think that's the only close-up we got was like those two guys that turned into clowns. I don't think we saw. Yeah, what happened to Darcy, the other agents? What's uh, what's Darcy gonna be? A uh, Sokovian fortune teller, probably. <laughs> I'm interested to see that though, because she was a victim on the front lines because she was handcuffed to a car. Yeah, she made a bad play by like just charging up at, at Hayward. <laughs> Help him! <laughs> I love the one yeah, guy that was like supposed to release her, or like probably was her only hope at at releasing her, just to see decided to run. Yeah, he didn't make it, and she wouldn't have made it if he stayed to help her. So, what does it matter? I'm I'm glad to see her in the hex, though. I like I, I I'm hoping that she gets to to play a some sort of like comedic relief role in within the hex. Also, well, who's yeah, watching the show now? Yeah, because she's so into the show more than anyone else. So it it is nice to see like how she is gonna get casted into the into it. Right. And I feel like she's one of those characters that is going to be probably more able to speak their minds <laughs> more than anybody else after maybe Wanda kind of has a lapse in control. Let's talk about Vision for a bit. 
so he starts off his this episode with coming down the stairs in the is it supposed to be a Mexican wrestler? No, that's that, that that's his that's his comic outfit. That's what I thought, but he called it a uh, a Nacho Libre. I mean, you could you could technically, I mean, like slap on paints and like put yourself in spandex of any kind. You could call anybody a luchador. Did <laughs> just, he also say chili con carne? Yeah, he did. Is that just chili meat? Chili? <laughs> yeah, that's chili with with meat or ground beef. I guess I don't. <laughs> that makes me love that line even more because I don't <laughs> think he knows what it is. But he's an AI, so he should have some sort of saying easily equipped. Yeah, apparently he didn't have his like data backup because. <laughs> Well, even in this episode, we find out that he doesn't really quite remember anything. No, yeah, so that's the major thread for him. But he starts off the episode with just these weird interactions with Wanda where he wants to start a fight and then he realizes if he does, uh, she's going to like send him to work or something like that where she has the power to do that. I think what spooked him the most was the last episode was that he said, you can't control me like you're controlling the people of the town. And then she just responds by saying, can't I? That... <laughs> so he's spooked by her, for sure. Right. Well, it, it becomes this whole like issue of, like, well, how how long can he latch onto his own free will? You know, right. like, does, does he even have any is really, I guess, his issue right now. Yeah, he's clearly playing the long game, like playing along with Wanda in front of her and then doing his own investigation behind her back. Yeah, he straight up lies to her in this episode. Uh, not technically, though, because he says he's going to go do the neighborhood watch, and then he does go watch the neighborhood. <laughs> just not in an organized fashion. Yeah, just not with Herb, the neighbor. <laughs> Herb? I loved his role in this episode. Is there anything I can do to make this better? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, stick to your role, Herb. I love it. He's like, all right, peace. <laughs> Um, I thought the, like, on a side note, that Yo Magic commercial, number one, nailed, like, a yogurt commercial. That's perfect for the 90s. Yep. But number two, I think the kid is supposed to be, like, a, is supposed to be Vision, or anyone else in the town for that matter, where they're supposed to eat the Yo Magic, like, uh, Wanda's Magic, or else they'll perish? Yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really... As you were kind of explaining this one through, I'm like, where's he going with this one? <laughs> um, no, yeah. The kid can't open the magic, so he's not yeah. uh, He's not playing along. He's not, like, taking it in. And then he dies because he's hungry. He ran out. Yeah. Right. He couldn't get the magic. And then, I mean, there's no coincidence that, you know, Vision is going to die because he doesn't play along and eat, and eat the the magic for what it's worth. You know, I That's thought a terribly phrased way of saying play along. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. And it's and he's also on this on this island by himself, which kind of is what vision is at this point. Right. Like he feels like he's the one guy that kind of understands what's going on. Yeah. But still is alone in it because nobody else realizes what's going on. Yeah. Except for Billy and Tommy, they're behind all of this. <laughs> for the children. For the children. Speaking of which, as we're talking about Vision, because he brought this point up several times before, there were no children in Westview until today. There were none. And then I think 
this episode, the holiday episode, came up either because no, they haven't reached uh, October in the real world because they're they're literally going uh, in uh, in like minutes in the outside world because they are the the sword agents are carrying in the drone and Monica is talking to Hayward. When we get to that group, we can talk about it. But she's talking about to him seconds after Wanda re, like went back into the hex. Right. So the outside world is very... It's not in October, so this didn't have to be a holiday episode. So I think she just created this so that Vision could see there are children here. Right. It was an immediate response to, to that issue that he raised uh, last week. I was going to say yesterday. <laughs> yesterday um, for them, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think that he... It's it's creepy because even Pietro raises a point up. Is like, hey, wh-, and he asks her, right? Like he asks her straight out. He says, where where were you keeping all these kids? Yeah, but I, I want to believe they were in bed because you didn't want to, you know, spare them and you didn't want to cause them any more pain than they had to endure. <laughs> it's so savage. It's the it's the fact that you know what's going on with these folks. They're they're under this mind control, and you know what? It was further accented by this scene that was kind of given away in the trailer but the woman that's trying to hang up her uh one of her ghost decorations and she's got a single tear rolling down her cheek oh it's so hard to watch yeah because i'm like geez and it's all these people at the edge of town basically right they're always in standby in case for some reason wanda and her family come by there yeah she's running the ultimate movie set right now (laughs) extras you are always ready yeah all the extras, all the PAs, that's where they hang out over at the edge of the hex. <laughs> that's what I'm going to refer to it as now. Like <laughs> That's your perimeter now. Yeah, so let's talk about Vision's interaction with Agnes, because there's a lot there to unpack. Um, I think He the, definitely wants to get with her. Yeah, obviously. He was like, meet me at Ellis <laughs> Street. <laughs> she, he wakes her up, and she's... Oh, by the way... Not to kind of put things too on the nose even further, but she her Halloween costume is, is that of a witch. Is a witch. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. She's definitely hiding stuff. And I think that she's playing him, too. I don't know how you might think about this, right? Because like I feel like Agnes has something to do with what's going on. Um, aside from like, you know, you and I have speculated she's probably the Agatha Harkness character from the from the comics, but my whole question is like, is she is she friend? Is she foe? Like, what is her deal? And I feel like this episode makes me kind of think she might be both to some extent. Yeah, no, I think this still keeps us on the track that she could be Agatha, but I think she has less control over influencing Wanda. And I almost think she is like she wants this to be happening. Uh, and the part that me the part that makes me think this is after vision like snapped her out of it and they're having their conversation and then she like screams you're dead at him like 10 times which was really weird uh and she starts like just giggling like she's not having the same reaction that like a norm had when he was snapped out of it he was so paralyzed with fear and he was just like screaming for help she like if you watch with subtitles she's laughing maniacally was that what it was? I thought she was like laughing in a different <laughs> zone. <laughs> yeah, no, she's like enjoying it almost. I mean, she's 
still has to be snapped out of it. So she's under the influence of it. But when she does get snapped out of it and like comes to, then I, then she's like almost, she's just enjoying it. And like, wants it to happen. Yeah. I feel like she's, so this is where I don't, I don't know what her deal is. Like, does she want this to keep happening or does she want it to, does she want conflict between vision and her? Because now recalling back, like there's multiple points in the episode where part of visions questioning of this whole thing stems from Agatha reacting in a almost self-aware kind of way around him. So Agnes, not Agatha. Oh, sorry. Agnes. <laughs> not there yet. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I feel like she she's kind of I don't know I don't know what her motivations are, and I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, she does want conflict for sure. So I I hope that you know on one hand I I'm kind of hoping that we get more a little bit more background on her before this show's over. Like you know I, I don't necessarily need her whole backstory right, but I hope that once we find out who she is, what her intentions are, what she's having, like at least give us a little bit of background on on who the like what kind of incarnation this is? Because I think I was texting you back with this earlier today, but I, I I mentioned I think there is still a Mephisto element at play here. Like part of yeah. the thing that crossed my mind is like, what if they took the Agatha Harkness character and combined her with Mephisto, or combined her with a character like Nightmare, and and that's who they're that's who this is. It wouldn't be the first time the MCU does that. Yeah, it's possible, but I think she would be able to snap herself out of that near the edge of town trance. Unless it's all a, a guise, and she's well aware of everything she's doing. It's possible. Um, the thing I was thinking about is that I think she really did make a wrong turn, and she reached the street that Wanda had told her kids not to go near. So I think there's something to, like, if you reach Ellis Street, you automatically shut down type of thing. Right. So she couldn't even make her U-turn to go back to the town square, which is why we didn't see her interact. Like, if you look at the people on the edge of town, all the adults are not dressed up in costumes, but Agnes was. So it kind of makes me think, like, she was meant to be at the town square because, one, she is in costume, but, two, she's also, like, asking, like, how do I get there? Yeah, they were all playing around, like, like Walmart shopping carts. Like, if you get past a certain distance, the wheels lock and you can't go any further. <laughs> yes, that's exactly <laughs> what this is like. <laughs> Walmart's fresh on my mind this week. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I don't know, there's just there's definitely some element there. I I feel like there's a lot more to Agnes that we kind of need to come to terms with after. But yeah, I think that's the next major one I want a little bit more focus on in the next episode. Yeah. But the this next episode I'm happy episode. with. Yeah. I'm happy with this episode like giving us more on Pietro and more on Vision. So I wouldn't have expected them to be able to give us Agnes as well uh in such a limited amount of time so i'm happy with the balance they achieved but next i want to see what's going on with her they got a good actress with with good charisma so that's why like regardless of what they do with the character i hope they flesh her out a little bit more yeah didn't she say in an interview too that she was like her character might be bigger than people think yeah they keep dropping hints about that with the show and it's just like I, I haven't been paying too much attention to the interviews with the cast just because I, I feel like they're either straight up telling us the truth or they're playing us because <laughs> i don't know if you you've gotten a chance and i'm deviating here a little bit but 
there there was a Jimmy Kimmel, I, th- I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or an ABC interview with uh, Don Cheadle and Mark Ruffalo about a year mm-hmm. before Infinity War came out, and they were also kind of we he spilled says, the like, beans. Everybody yeah. dies. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think some of them are on a script, and some of them are supposed to be spilling beans, or, like whether true beans or false beans, and then others are like, oh, sorry, I can't say anything. Right, but it just it kind of leads me to believe like there might be something to it, like there might be ha- half truths in there, and and maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, no, I, Marvel either, either is, way, Marvel's very controlling about what their people can say. Yeah. So, so nothing's hoping, really an accident. I'm hoping like they they have some interesting twist with her character coming up but leading off from this scene i guess the next major point in this in this episode is uh vision's uh what you call it moment yeah he delves outside of the barrier he breaks into breaks out of the wall and pleads for help (laughs) that's not the like did he scream for help in infinity war because it kind of felt like that moment no no he didn't there was, I guess when he, he was, was asking to die. When he was getting his forehead ripped apart by Thanos' thick <laughs> sausage fingers. Yeah. So this is the part that, like, this answers questions that we had. But then it also, like, leaves me with more questions. <laughs> like, so this this answers the questions of, like, what happens when Vision leaves? And he clearly is being torn apart because his hel- his cells can't handle, like, the mil- molecular shift. By going through the hex, it's it's like it's his sustenance for for life, right? Like the the hex is the only place where he can be alive, and if if he falls outside of it, he slowly starts to turn back into a corpse, essentially. Yeah, can we uh, can we tie Hayward into this bit? Because I feel like this is his uh, his moment, and we'll get to him a little bit more in the next in the outside group. Now that we've talked about the inside, but Hayward was like. Well, he like he wasn't pulling for Vision to break out. He was just, all he said was like, oh, he really does want to get out." Like, dude, why aren't you helping him? Like, he's your asset. Hayward is like the guy that has been promoted out of circumstance, but doesn't really know what the heck to do with the position he's in. <laughs> like, he strikes me as the guy that's like, "Oh, well, half our our shield agents are gone, or sorry, our sword agents are gone." And they happen to have taken away all the most qualified people. So here, at a seniority, you get the job. Yeah. But, like, I don't know what his motivations are. I thought it, for sure it was, like, get Vision back because that was your asset that was stolen. And then this episode, I guess we're transitioning into the outside group of Hayward, Monica, Darcy, and Agent Wu. But Hayward, like, in his initial conversation with Monica and Darcy is, like, he has a grudge against superheroes. Yeah, he does. I wonder... I, I, I don't know what to really think of him. I feel like last week, you and I were both kind of like, well, if, if there's a Mephisto host, it might be him. You know, because clearly he was, like, up to no good. This episode just kind of painted him up to be very incompetent. And, like, the guy that's just, yeah. like, has this grudge but doesn't really know how to do his job well. Yeah, I completely agree. Like last week I was left thinking like, oh, he shot the missile because he's just trying to stir up trouble. But when he had like his interaction with, I guess I should have seen it then, but his interaction with Wanda, like, yeah, maybe he just is kind of an idiot who doesn't know how to handle the situation and who just against 
people uh, against superheroes or anyone with superpowers. It strikes me as odd though because I'm assuming Fury is at the helm of this organization because he's off in space doing his own thing. And this might be because he's been he got dusted away for five years, so now he's just kind of kind of come back in there. But I wouldn't strike, I wouldn't uh, put it on Fury to hire somebody like this. I I would figure he wouldn't tolerate this kind of guy. You you get what I mean? Like it, it doesn't seem like this is the type of guy he would have in his organization. Which one was the Fury cutscene? That was Far From Home, right? Far From Home, yeah. Yeah, so he would actually be back and be there. Right. I always get so confused because they made the switch with the scroll, and that was kind of confusing. And everything's How coming long? up out of out of uh, out of sequence here, because technically we were supposed to have gotten Black Widow and then uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier, and then this. So things are out of sync a little bit. A little bit. So yeah, I also like heard an interesting fan theory. This doesn't have anything to do with this episode, but people were saying that Carol got. Carol being Captain uh, Captain Marvel got a haircut in Endgame because she possibly shaved her head like in solidarity for Maria Rambo during the five years. I could see that being the case. It would be an interesting explanation for the haircut because all she said, like she was seemed like very annoyed when Rocket made a joke about it, which didn't really make sense. She seems very annoyed about a lot of the things. <laughs> they yeah, I guess that's true too. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Captain Marvel thing. Clearly, we're going to have more of an explanation or exploration of, of that in some of the coming projects. But yeah, that's a good kind of way to explain the way the haircut. Because that would have been like the cancer would have come back two years after the snap. Snap. The video conference in Endgame was three years after that, so I guess it would have grown back by then. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 very curious to see what what kind of issue Monica has with with Captain Marvel though. At the end of the day, cause... yeah, it's something serious because she hasn't she does hold a grudge against her, but she also has this like understanding that superheroes are also have their own burdens in life and just need to have some sort of therapy or or some help like a human would because she's looking for a diplomacy in this situation as opposed to violence it's also kind of i feel like you know not to get too much of an, out of an tangent right but i feel like monica's experience with the scrolls in captain marvel and seeing how uh you know this this species of folks who were perceived to be a threat actually ended up being refugees and you know people yeah. who actually weren't the bad guys i feel like that kind of paints a picture to her worldview in in this show because it's like yeah wanda's a perceived threat but what if she's actually not the yeah that's a great point the danger you know I, I, there's a lot of stuff at play here i feel like and i feel like monica's rapidly becoming one of my favorite characters in the mcu too because i feel like they've given they've given her a lot like character growth within within the show in so little time for sure yeah they fleshed her out they give they gave us a purpose to kind of care about her you know and and they did a lot of uh building with her in in this series right now and to kind of touch on that i guess we, we should probably talk about her revelation of her blood work yes we finally so darcy and uh, and the group get kicked out of the organization but then they break right back in immediately <laughs> uh right. and then darcy like hacks into 
the firewalls and starts getting access to files. Uh, you know, along with looking into Hayward's files, she breaks into Monica's test results, which actually came back with something as opposed to being inconclusive. Right. We were led to believe that they wanted to conduct more studies on her and she kind of brushed it aside. But now we find out that her time going through the barrier has changed her on a molecular level, which, you know, and you're probably going to hate me for this, but I got I got to get into it. It just got me thinking of like the, the X gene, the, and, and the mutant component about all this. You have to do it every single moment. No, I, <laughs> I completely agree with you on this one though. Yeah. I feel like, like I said, I feel like they're pulling a, a reverse house of end moment with this because now we see that the barrier has the ability to expand. We see that uh, Scarlet Witch is in full control of its size. And so it had, it has me thinking like, what if, because in the comics, like it's, it's this X gene that people have that, uh, you know, at some point, either radiation or <laughs> more popularly in the more modern comics, puberty <laughs> unlocks your mutant X gene. Uh, so I got to yeah. think like, are we building to that event? Like, is this instead of in the comics where house of M was the end of the mutant race? What if house of M here is actually the beginning of the mutant race? And everyone in the town is be going to come out of this as a mutant. Well, I don't know if it becomes that, or it's like once the barrier expands, whatever the barrier begins to touch is is possibly affected by it if you happen to have that gene. I would like it if like everyone in the town became one because then it's like the longer they spent in there, the more their cells were impacted by it or something like that. Like some sort of like right. slowly radiating uh, power, I guess. Because I want they mutant herb. As, like, I would love a mutant herb. What would his <laughs> powers be? <laughs> I don't know. Something cool though. Like, what if he didn't actually have an earpiece in and he was like telekinetic? Oh, to people. <laughs> wow. Breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. Give us um, um, mutant norm too. like I, I'm, I'm OK with norm becoming Nightcrawler. No, norm MCU. is a normie. Norm <laughs> is the only one who comes out of there without powers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do like the idea that like she's becoming the the photon hero the taking over for captain marvel uh so i kind of think because her character leaves off this episode obviously running away from the expanse but she's on the way to go meet with her uh her guy her guy her contact what what does she describe him as like a not an astronaut but it was like a her guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's all she uh, just oh yeah, an so, aerospace engineer that was it. Aerospace engineer. Not. Uh, yeah. So she's on her way to go talk to them. I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if she takes it upon herself to go back in again and continues to get her cells altered, so she does like fully go through the process. That's probably what's going to end up happening. But on the on the subject of of Monica and her contact there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of other folks come out and say like, well, there's two possibilities. It could be Reed Richards because it makes sense, right? But it also could be this other character called Blue Marvel, which I was like, it sounds vaguely familiar, but after getting a little bit of a refresher, it, it's another... Um, it, he The character is an aerospace engineer, and I feel like it could be a good way to introduce him too because we're talking about the whole Captain Marvel 
family here at play. Uh, yeah. and, and Blue Marble is um, an African-American character that also, uh, through some like science experiment, ended up with superpowers. So it could be mm. it could be that it could be that character. I don't know. I don't know where they're going with any of this. To, to be totally honest with you, but um, I feel and the only reason why I kind of bring this up is because we touched on like they could be establishing Fantastic Four. It might be too early to bring up a Fantastic Four family member just yet in the show, but it kind of sounds like we're we might see this person, whoever she's referring to, before the end of the season. Yeah, that I, I could honestly see it being either. I don't know if I'm still holding out hope for Doctor Strange to be a hero in this. There was an interview a couple weeks ago with Paul Bentley. Bentley. He said like he finally got to work with like an A-list actor that he's always wanted to work with. My thought was that it was um, Benedict Cumberbatch, but I mean maybe they get somebody to come in as Blue Marvel. It's Michael Fassbender. Idris Elba. Or Ian McKellen. Why would it be Michael Fassbender if it's an African American hero? <laughs> <laughs> no, so he said an A-list actor, right? Yeah, I don't think, or I but don't Blue know. Marvel's black, so <laughs> <laughs> if we go the route of kind Blue of Marvel, out Magneto. <laughs> well, no, I feel like if we if we go the route of Blue Marvel, we probably would have heard some sort of casting announcement for a major A-list. What Black if, actor oh to, to play. What if yeah. The Rock is not actually coming in as Black Adam? <laughs> He's he said, forget the DC universe. I'm going to the Marvel universe. <laughs> he was like he was trolling all of us. Jeez, that's a <laughs> seven year troll right there. <laughs> That'd be huge. I, I would love yeah. that. But yeah, so she's on her way to the contact. I imagine she'll be back in. I guess throw that in our prediction section. Uh, the the last piece. I guess in this episode that was pretty big was Darcy stayed behind to continue hacking the firewall. So she did realize that Hayward was only tracing vision, which we touched on, but she also found this one last hidden file called cataract. I've seen a lot of like fans breaking down the picture of visions, actual eyes and being like, it looks nothing like his like computerized eye from the, from like Ultron and from Infinity War, like it used to have this like Jarvis looking thing around the retina. Now they look like regular eyes. So like, I'm wondering if they're like, that's actually accurate or if cataract is just like a classic Tony Stark type of acronym. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It could be, it could be an acronym for something, but usually they would have the little like period marks in between letters, right? For it. True. I wonder though, because they've, you know, the whole sentient weapons thing keeps coming up in regards to S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. I wonder if they're building just like they're trying to recreate Vision or just reprogram him to be the this this weapon. And that's kind of the, the gist of this whole thing. Like, that's that's why he wants him back. Yeah, it was odd that uh, Agent Wu said that in the last episode or the one before where he was like, he knew what Vision's living will was that he didn't want to be used as a weapon for mankind. Like, when did that get decided? He publicly stated it somewhere after he signed the security <laughs> accords. Right? Like, so maybe that, I, I think that does have to do with something. And I think we had talked about it too when, um, like, they, they were experimenting on Vision, obviously, because they had him in pieces in that room. But I, I don't know. Because, like, wouldn't Wanda just kill 
Hayward when she came out of the hex, if she knew that he was behind like weaponizing Vision. Maybe, but I don't. She doesn't strike me as a full blown killer at this point. She turned you know? the entire kill squad against him. <laughs> yeah, but she. I, I think she more so did it as like a warning. Because like, if, I think if she had the intention, she would. She should have killed him at that point. But she no, didn't. I'm saying. Yeah, she's not a killer per se, but she is like in terrible grieving pain that she doesn't want to lose vision, and she was willing to kill Thanos in Endgame. Like she was causing him so much pain and kind of milking the process of killing him that I'm surprised she wouldn't do something like that even. Yeah, I don't know. I it it seems a little odd for sure. Like, I feel like she probably would have gone to a big, big, bigger extent to at least hurt him in some way. Yeah. So I get what you mean. I just, I don't know where or how far I guess she's willing to kind of take it to. But I, you know, I think that if anything, here, here's the thing. Like, like, like I said, last week, you and I were pretty sure, like, okay, this guy's definitely up to something big. Then this episode, he comes out and he seems very incompetent. But yet, Darcy reveals he's got this big thing that she's trying to hack into, and like it could be huge, is what she said. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. And it could be it could be as simple as like he's trying to rewrite the vision to be this weapon, and that might explain why he doesn't have any memories, right? Because technically, he's a robot to some extent. So was his mind wiped before by Wanda or after Wanda? He doesn't have his external hard drive with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I do agree. Like the series doing a great job of keeping the bigger mystery at large. What we thought was predictable might not actually be the case anymore. So I still, obviously there still is something bigger going on with Hayward, but it's yet to be seen what that is. And it's also important to note that it seems like he and a couple agents are the only ones that made it out of there along with Monica and agent Wu. Either he's going to have to restock his crew or we don't know how many people he brought to this and has lost to it does this drive him further into we need to get in there and attack or does he then go okay maybe we need to play it by whatever monica is thinking because she's the last one left i feel like he's probably going to regroup with more shield uh, sword agents and come back um but because just because it seems like he has a big secret to hide from from Monica, from Wu. And it could be as simple as, like, he just doesn't want her to find out about classified information. Or it could be more nefarious, like, he actually is, he does know what's going on, and he, you know, it's it's his angle to accelerate it even further. Well, it wouldn't be classified to let people know how many people, or not people, let the S.W.O.R.D. team know how many civilians are inside the Hex. Because... That was one thing that Agent Wu made a comment on was like, oh, he's tracking vision, so he should have a good headcount of how many people are in there. And it's he's being very select. Hayward's being very selective with how much information he gives out. But that's like that's not classified. That's like just helpful, smart information. I think more so classified because he's hiding something from them. And that's he's hiding helping. how he's getting that information. So if he told them like how he got his headcount, they would then he would be giving up that like he know like, he wants a vision or something like that like yeah 
So he, he's playing everything very close to the vest, which is an odd thing to do if all you want to do is peacefully break down the hex and bring Wanda to justice. So right. clearly he doesn't want that. Yeah, it's all BS. He's, he's all spinning it to be this positive narrative that he has, but doesn't actually deliver on. Yeah. Any predictions for the next episode? I know it's so hard because it's like they they do so many twists and turns here. Yeah, I feel like we're probably going to see Monica's guy next week and I, just kind of see exactly so. what's going to happen. Um, aside from that, honestly, man, I feel like the more I the more we get into the show, the more I feel like I'm assassinating my theories every week <laughs> because uh, they just don't make any sense at some point. But I'm not, you know, I'm not dissing that. I feel like that's I'm totally on board with it. I feel like um, the more I speculate about this, the more I'm actually getting enjoyment out of it, which isn't always the case. Sometimes you speculate and you're just disappointed by things. The Last Jedi. <laughs> we got to have a whole podcast about that movie. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I, I'm i okay with our theories and, and predictions coming false and getting disproven so quickly because they're giving us alternatives that are, you know, agreeable or likable. That was the problem with Last Jedi is like everyone had their fan theories that they were so certain of and then you just didn't get anything to replace them when you're told no those are wrong. Uh so yeah, I it's very hard to make a prediction, but I do think that we'll get to see um Monica's guy. I like the idea of the, of Blue Marvel. I I don't I don't think they're ready to bring in Fantastic 4. Me neither. Because um, I don't think they have their Fantastic Four crew lined up quite yet. It, it, whoever they pick now, they know they have to use for eventually a, a Fantastic Four movie. Um, that's just the way it's going to be. So I think they're probably playing that smarter and, and taking their time. So I think it's going to be Blue Marvel. I want to say by the end of the episode that Monica is going to re-enter with a plan that she won't get converted or at least come in with her own memories. Yeah. I think if, if there's any other thing that I would put stock into, it's maybe some sort of interaction between the vision and Darcy now that she's in the hex. I feel like she might avoid him. You think so? Yeah. I think if, if she has more, if she has a bigger role, I think she's going to do whatever she can to not, upset uh wanda so i think she's going to keep her distance from like from vision so like i could easily picture there being moments where like she's in the kitchen talking with wanda and then vision walks in and then she's like gotta run and just like disappears off stage right type of thing yeah true i could see darcy doing that although truth be told if i'm in that hex and wanda's giving away powers like that i'm i i want her to Throw me as far as you can outside of her, outside <laughs> of her hex walls. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but then speaking of uh, Wanda and Vision, I think they will have a pretty big fight this next episode. Just because Wanda probably doesn't like being lied to about him being part of the uh, Neighborhood Watch yeah, during the events of this episode. She's not going to take kindly to that. One thing... Um, I guess before we wrap up, what do you think is going to happen with the kids at the end of the series? End of the series. It's so hard to predict because that would, I think if Mephisto's back, he's taking them. 
if Mephisto's not here, I don't know. Maybe they just live happily ever after as a family. <laughs> uh, I don't know, because in the comics, they are raised in New Jersey, so maybe they're like adopted or something like that. That could be it, too. I, I feel like, you know, I want a happy ending for Wanda just because she's been through so much trauma already. But she's but, also causing so much pain on this. I know. She can't get away without being... She's got to go to the RAF prison. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's got to learn her lesson. <laughs> For real um, though, like you can't do this if you if you didn't start it willingly. Okay. If you are immediately to be like, I don't know how the heck this started. I'm gonna end it. That would have been fine. I think that would have been forgivable. But you've kept it going, and so many people have talked to you about why are you doing this, and she just continues to do it. I think it's a great. Um example of like emotional grief and just like how people like like imagine a, like because we, we obviously you know we're talking about fiction here right but in in a fantastical no, this way like, <laughs> this historical fact <laughs> um no but like if, if you think about it like somebody in grief somebody in mourning they're not listening to reason at all you know they're yeah. not they're not listening to it at all and i feel like it could have been something where you know, going off of your point from last week's episode on on how she seemed to be not content with things, but at, you know, okay with Vision's death at the end of Endgame. Maybe it was something that you know Hayward was doing to Vision that triggered her, and so brought up all of this emotional grief up again. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's a perfect illustration of how like unreasonable people can be when they when they're confronted with this kind of hurt, and so to have that then accentuated by you know. Imagine somebody that's maybe the most powerful person on the planet <laughs> with this kind of, you know, lack of control of themselves. It's a pretty scary thing. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of I'm glad that we're tackling this kind of thing with Marvel because this is the type of stuff that comics used to be recognized for back in the day. Um, and we're tackling those heavier themes, and I feel like you know, for me personally to see some of this stuff kind of come into come into the play in the MCU and told so eloquently well is really cool. Yeah, I love it too. Um it what this does is so much more than just focusing on a superhero. It focuses on the people that get affected by the decisions of the superhero. And there were moments of that in DC, so I'll give them some credit like uh, what was it? I think it was Batman versus Superman. However bad that movie was, we saw through Batman's point of view being on the streets, helping the everyday people who were affected by Superman's fight with General Zod. It's just like that in this, where it's like the decisions they they make as superheroes affect everybody else. Like we were talking about this last in our last episode with uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier preview, how like Zemo sees the world a little bit, and right. I like getting to see other people's perspectives. Like Monica still holds out hope that, you know, heroes are like us and they need help and they might be misunderstood. And then you get, you know, the contrast opposite of Hayward being like, no, they're all evil and they all need to be stopped. <laughs> and like, they should be working as weapons for us and only doing what we want. Yeah. It's like this power struggle of the Sokovia courts just keeps coming through especially for some of these characters. So I like I like that. I like this episode. Uh, I'm so excited for next week to see where they go with it. 
we, who would have thought that how many weeks are we into the six weeks at this point or like six weeks after digesting the first um or even like recording our, <laughs> our like anticipation for the for this series like we would be like oh this is one of the best things that marvel's done in such a it long was... time because i did not see this coming yeah it was so experimental of a start uh and i think it's paying off now because now it's it's not satire but it's more of just uh an homage to the style of tv and sitcoms but still remaining true to a marvel movie or Marvel topic. Yeah, it's an homage with a purpose. It's like, you know, you rarely do you really get to see that. I think most projects like this kind of get stuck in the homage portion, uh, portion of things where they're really focused on on paying tribute to certain things. They just kind of forget about story elements. And it's yeah, not happening here. Maybe, maybe like a Gen Z is watching this show because it's their generations of a show. But it's like encouraging them to go back and be like well what what is everyone talking about when they say like malcolm in the middle or like what are they talking about when they say i love lucy or or something like that you know i don't think they have the attention span for it well <laughs> can i be hopeful and then on a positive note here Ivan? gosh you know it's just my cynicism my millennial cynicism shining through so don't don't, don't mind me in the hex get out of it man <laughs> <laughs> i get what you mean though yeah i i, I agree yeah, so we're going to wrap it up here, but uh, if you have you know, any predictions of your own or if you have any takes from this, from this episode or past episodes or whatever uh, and you want to reach out to us, you know, you can hit us up on Twitter at PTFourthWall, 4 being 4th. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 